Hello and welcome to the I'll Try That podcast. This week we are exploring the ethical brewer, Brew Gooder, and Joe had a chat with the founder early this week, Alan Mann. But I believe we're heading over to Barber, who may actually have some bad news for us beer drinkers. Indeed I do, I'm afraid, gents. Um, I'll start it off with a question. Uh, does Can anyone tell me what gynecomastia is? It's not an Italian dish, is it? Um, <laughs> I've no, <laughs> to my knowledge, I've never ordered gynecomastia. Drabbers, any takes, any further takes on what gynecomastia is? Uh, it sounds like some form of like gas cloud in space or some star that's been named out there. I quite like that. I quite like that as a suggestion. Um, so, well, uh, I suppose I think there's a bit of a is the phrase a misnomer here because I hear gyna, and actually it's kind of a little bit easier when you when you see it written down. And I think of um, gyna. Anyway, I'll let you figure. <laughs> you'll think of that on, on your own time. But the bad news that I've got, and um, this is an old article, so I'm just living in hope that uh, I say an old article. Uh, it's from 2017, and um, we're hoping that there's been some news since then. But gynecomastia is more commonly known as man boobs. Oh, okay. There has been some work done and I hope, as I said before, I hope that this has been disproven um, that due to the high level of phytoestrogens phytoestrogens um, which you may very well find in particularly hoppy beers uh, particularly um, IPAs um, that these phytoestrogens, as I've coined them, <laughs> uh, <laughs> in short, the connection is they're high in, uh, they're more prevalent in in IPAs, and as a result, drinking IPAs or particularly hoppy beers increases your chance of developing man boobs. They're very en vogue at the moment, as as we know. Um, these phytoestrogens. They're, they're really the cause. Uh, and so the more you drink of these very popular IPAs, the more chance uh, of an impact that it may have on your uh, on your figure. Uh, and it's also um, been slightly attributed to um, uh, what's also known as brewer's droop, shall we say, not to put too fine a point on it. So um, I suppose it really just feeds into a bit of a general point that we would always make of um, en- enjoy all of these things in moderation, right? Yes, exactly. There are you know limits out there for a reason, and it's not just for the alcohol content, but as we're finding now, of what can affect our um, our man boobs. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's it's very it's a very real study of reminder. This news sadly has come too late for me, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, but um, I, I suppose yeah, all things in moderation, but also within your moderated amount of, of beer, try and switch it up. Um, there's IPAs. So, so what I hear from this is the hoppy IPAs. You should have flat, flat beers every so often. So we would say the traditional ales as well mix in. Well, there. this is this is now just an excuse for people to go out there and just explore different beers. If you've strictly been an IPA drinker all this time, now's the time to mix it up. I think that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So uh, keep it versatile, folks, uh, and uh, your body will thank you for it. As we've said this week, we're going to be talking about the ethical brewer, Brugger. We've got a special guest of Alan Mann, who is the founder of Brugger. So here is the conversation that we had earlier this week. 
Alan, thank you very much for, for joining us. I'm really interested to have this conversation with you and find out a lot more about Brewgooder and the work that you've been up to. So maybe in your own words, you could just give a brief introduction to to Brewgooder to the listeners. Uh, Yeah, so I'm Alan. I'm the founder of Brewgooder. We are a people-positive beer brand um, based in Scotland. Um, We kind of started our journey into um, beer, I guess, driven a lot by a love of beer amongst our founding team, but also um, by a very personal experience that I had when I was younger. I got sick from an unsafe water source. Um, and whenever I tried to get into that space, I couldn't find something that was was right for me. Um, but when I started to, to drink beer and, and really fall in love with beer, um, I decided to put something that I really thought was cool in the beer industry together with something which was um, meaningful to me, um, which was clean water as a start. Um, and then Brugger was born, I guess. Um, we were founded in 2016, and since then we've unlocked over 100 million litres of water um, for over 100,000 people in communities around the world. I am enthralled by this this mission driven business that you have created. You know, taking our own personal experience you just shared with us. So thank you for that. Um, you know, but driving this for a, a people positive mission. I love the hit, loving hearing these words strung together. And, you know, the fact is that you're not just, you know, doing this as a, you know, something that you as your business are trying to be better for, you know, this is actually impacting real people's lives, isn't it? I mean, you said there, you gave a stat about how much water you've given or, or provided to, to those who need it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think at heart, like we're always about trying to use the power of beer. I think beer, when it's at its best, is a really social thing. People um, get together for a beer, they catch up with friends, they celebrate, you know, whether it's music or art or, um, you know, sport. Beer is something that is, is inherently quite social. And I think that if you're able to harness that in a people positive direction that has a meaningful impact on people, then that's, uh, you know, a massive win-win for both you and, and others. Um, in terms of water, you know, we want to go well beyond that in the future to bring, you know, that people positivity to, you know, the UK and to the places where, the, you know, the communities which are actually, you know, enjoying our beer and to, to bring that people positivity closer to home as well, which is really exciting. And I, I love that you, know, you are so hyper-focused on water being the source. Obviously, it's, it's an integral part of, of beer, making up 90% of, of, the, uh, you know, of the, the, the weight of, of beer itself. But it's obviously one of those, we take it for granted, I guess, water, especially in Western world and, and, and different sources getting clean, clean water. But, um, and I'm, I guess I'm kind of leaning back into the old design that you had on your cans, really told this story about villages that you were providing water to. Is that something you know that was integral to when you first started out? Have you kind of broadened your scope of water providing now? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a number of things to unpack there. I guess the first one is that you know we would consider ourselves a water positive brewery. Uh, we do use water, obviously, like other breweries do in in the production of our beer, but we tend to work with the most sustainable breweries around you know the UK certainly, um, to make sure that the water footprint of the brewery is massively. Uh, dwarfed by the water outcome of the projects that we undertake. So, you know, each can or pint of our beer through the process of, of funding clean water projects unlocks a hundred times that amount on those projects. So there's a, there's a massive net benefit from a water point of view, but water is obviously a, a huge input into it. When we come to look at, you know, the design and the evolution of what Bruder has looked like, we definitely were 
I guess, inspired by some of the early projects that we do, we did. I know our session IPA used to be called Chaluzi, um, which was a phonetic spelling, if you like, of the um, the first ever project that we undertook. And we did take a lot of inspiration from um, particularly Malawi. But one of the things that we, as a company, I guess, decided to do was that we didn't want to commoditize the, the places that we impacted and we didn't want to use them as selling tools or, or anything. And actually what was, I guess, a pretty innocent and naive approach to, to our can design actually could have had negative connotations. So one of the things that we wanted to do was to actually focus on the waves of positivity that were created through having Bruegger beer. And we replaced that illustrative style, which lent heavily on appropriating imagery from, from those communities and actually turned it into a very, very basic wave pattern that just said, you know, by being part of this, you're creating waves of positivity around the world. So that change has almost come kind of as a, as we've matured as individuals who are in charge of the brand direction. Um, and as I think sensitivities around how people are portrayed, um, you know, especially people in developing countries and people of color who are the beneficiaries, I guess, of, of, of a lot of the work that we're doing, um, you know, the sensitivity to that is definitely something that we, we took account of as we grew up as a brand, I guess. Well, that makes perfect sense. As you said, it's kind of a, a new a new new stage of your uh, growth as, a, as an organization and the pack certainly reflects that. And and personally, I mean, the, the simplicity of, as you said, this kind of wave, uh, almost kind of wave, wave pattern that you're, you're bringing across your cans, um, you know, it lets the story speak for itself. You know, people are intrigued by this. It's going to stand out on shelf because of its simplistic nature. Um, you know, you're using color to kind of help people navigate through your different products, but there's a real story behind it. And I know the back of pack is, is, is kind of a key area for you, but there's also a QR code that people can use to get on and find more information about it. Um, now, you mentioned about uh, collaboration, kind of working with, you know, other sustainable um, businesses. Can you kind of shed a bit more light on that? Yeah, we have a fully distributed brewing model, um, which means that we don't actually use our own brewing capacity. Um, we think there's a lot of spare capacity within the brewing industry. There's lots of breweries who've maybe got, you know, more capacity than they need for their own lines. And we tend to work with them to effectively make it as efficient as possible to really reduce the carbon footprint that goes into, I guess, creating a brewery from scratch and then having to maintain that. We actually think that there's a greener and more sustainable way to, to work with other partners. So we work with partners like Brewdog, like Williams Brothers, like Four Pure. And we've actually collaborated with over 152 different breweries around the world um, in 2020 as part of a campaign to, to kind of get to increase the impact from a water point of view um, by working with the brands that we admire and the breweries that we admire from, I think it was 20 different countries. Um, so that's kind of our model. And I think that the benefit of that is that everyone that we work with is constantly pushing towards their own green credentials and their, their own green processes. So we get the opportunity to really evolve our own practices by I wouldn't say piggybacking, but certainly sharing the the, the greener initiatives that um, that other breweries um, that they that they use. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's about sharing, collaborating. It's about sharing resource, pooling resources. Almost, you know, that's the that's the sustainable future. That's how you look at what you know. As you said, there's people who are brewing, but they've got space 
for brewing, you know, that, that's underutilized. I mean, that's just wastage if they're not using it as well. So they need to partner with people like yourselves who have a, you know, a broader message that you can, you've got the brand out there that can help drive and, you know, focus on different areas. I, I'm loving hearing that, that there is, an, um, you know, this level of collaboration and it's something we've, a breath of fresh air, I think, in the brewing industry over over recent years. I think we've heard a lot more of, of similar stories like yourselves where, um, you know, Brewers are, are more open to working and collaborating with each other rather than being, you know, kind of protectionist of their world. You know, it is, it does feel like the category is opening up a little bit. Definitely. I think one of the things that I am really impressed by in the brewing industry is how much people are willing to share their brands, their brewing space, their, their tap rooms, their cans, you know, whatever it looks like, their, their opportunities to, to get out in front of consumers that people share that space and are extremely collaborative and i think that's one of the hallmarks of the craft beer part of the market as opposed to the the larger um sort of beer brands that people are willing to to work with each other and i think increasingly one of the directions i'd love to see it going in because we tend to um, have lots of requests from out of category collaborators um, that want to actually use beer as almost like a currency or a, a language to speak to consumers to, you know, not just to introduce them or to have touch points for their brands, but to also do some really cool things from a sustainability point of view. So one example of that is we work with Passenger Clothing um, and they're a really sustainable brand um, within um, the UK from, you know, they make outdoor clothing I guess um, you know for spring and, and, and summer and winter and all in between um, and one of the things they wanted to do with us was to make a beer that could be enjoyed you know by a lake or after a hike or a big cycle um, but that also had a sustainability element from a planet point of view put in so every one of the four packs that we have released with them has a 100x contribution from a water point of view, but also plants a native tree in, in the UK. So for me, that type of collaboration out with the category because of the language of craft beer for, for consumers is something that I think could really take off in the next two or three years. I, and I love that from a from a brand point of view that you're working and, and working with like-minded individuals, but as you said, out of category. Uh, I mean, when I think first off about you know other brands that are doing sim- in a similar space, it's very product driven. So thinking of like the likes of Toast, very similar organisation to yourself in that it's B Corp certified, it's it's got a course, but they kind of tend to work with you know like the likes of Warburton's for example who have waste bread there theirs is all about wastage of, of bread and food um whereas yourself you're taking that that same concept but looking at it in a broader context about well, who else can we collaborate and work with who where sustainability is their output yeah and i think um more more so than than that is like what how can you in i guess how can you integrate what other people want to see, what what other people's visions of a better world or a better planet or more people positivity are. So I think in 2022, we're looking to develop not just, you know, the water side of things and do more and more projects like that, but how can we work with others or how can we originate ideas within our team that actually bring a lot of that people positivity closer to home or in different categories of impact, if that makes sense. And I think if you've got, you know, we don't just, you know as a team or as a brand think that water is the 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 be all and end all we know it's the foundation of of life on the planet um we know that it 
you know, for those who don't have it, it's probably the most empowering thing you can provide for them. But there's other things we care about, you know, whether it's inclusion and diversity, which we're making sort of strides in, we hope, over the next wee while, um, or if it's compassion and kindness, you know, or or just, you know, I guess a way to to cement like social fabric like one of the things we're most proud of you know it probably isn't even a water related project it's our one on us campaign uh, last year at the start of lockdown we allowed drinkers to buy beers for nhs workers write them a note and then nhs frontline workers could come on through a sort of portal and claim those to have them delivered during lockdown whenever they were sort of coming off their shifts and that was hugely popular Twenty eight thousand beers were sent around the uk and that for us was all about showing solidarity and the power of beer as a gift as a thank you that if we had have only been obsessed with with water you know we would have we would have missed that opportunity to do something really really cool for both the 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 drinker who's buying the beer and the eventual recipient now, talking about all of this positivity and, you know, the how you're looking from, you've built your business from this, you know, my, single mindset of positivity from the ground up. Talk to me a bit about B Corp status and what that meant to you to, to kind of achieve that. And, and then what the, the continued success you're seeing, I think, from the B Corp world. Yeah, so um, we got B Corp certified in, I think it was 2018. Um, and we, I, I guess the the Part of it was that we said that we were this sort of company that did good things and tried to be on our best behavior, you know, across all different areas of the business. And I think that if you say that, that's fine. But then you have to have that, in essence, verified, like who can go and say that actually these guys are, you know, they're not talking rubbish. They're they're actually walking the walk. Um, and for, for me, B Corp does that quite well. It's quite a stringent um sort of set of criteria they have to sign up to and it gets reviewed you know definitely in a three-year cycle but it gives you the opportunity to improve right so we we got i think a score of 96 out of a possible i don't know 120 i think it is you know we want to get as close to that 120 as possible so we're actually going through a complete review of what we what we can do that's quite actually straightforward because there's a lot of buy-in on the senior leadership team to make these things happen but how can we implement them as our team grows as our business develops etc etc so we've really enjoyed that process but one of the things we found that we seem to do quite well at was the community side of what we do for obvious reasons that we just discussed um, and it turns out we were in the top five percent of b corps for from a community point of view uh, in 2019 and 2021 which is which is class you know that's a great thing for us to to, to have and that puts us in the same territory i guess as the likes of patagonia and you know toms and these are brands that we absolutely love and look up to and respect um as as business leaders as um or sorry leaders of our business um so yeah it's it's definitely great to know that someone's marking you and you know accrediting you but i think part of the journey that we find the most valuable within b corp is actually the, the trying to get better at part of it and trying to improve your score because everyone wants to, to to be better i guess yeah it's well continuous improvement as you said and the you know and that sounds like a the recipe for success for the next stages and the next growth of, of b corp i mean you mentioned there about growth of team you know you thought about these uh you know kind of the, the broader areas that you're you're looking at it is that what we're, we're to expect for, for if we're looking future focused about brugada yeah i mean we're we've went from a team of two in march to a team of um i think it's six people now you know really talented increasingly diverse um very experienced anyone that we tended to hire um before uh 2020 
I think we're younger than James and I. Um, James Hughes, the other co-founder, and now we're tending to hire people who are slightly older than us, who have more wise heads on their shoulders and can focus <laughs> on on one thing at a time, which we can't do. So I think definitely that's something to look out for. I think increasingly wider amounts of impact that are you know we'll never leave water like water is always going to be the foundation of what we do because we think it is the foundation of, of life but how do we do more empowering things for people at home and abroad i think is the is the real the real thing to look out for and then how can we just promote a, an industry norm of diversity and inclusion that's authentic right that we actually live out as a company internally um, and we have a, a, a program called work in progress where we're effectively trying to become a more inclusive um, and diverse workplace and an and advocate and ally to to people who just don't look like us right you know there's people you know the beer industry certainly whenever I started in it um, hasn't changed much in terms of the people that make it up and I don't want to be part of a, a sort of exclusive club because I think this industry is amazing and I think there are people doing amazing stuff to to make it look different and if we can do that in our own authentic way then that's definitely something that we want to focus on and, and hopefully people see happen over the next few while. So I guess kind of turning the focus away from, from yourself um, and, and the organization, what do you want to see, or what do you want the beer category or the industry to have achieved? Um, you know, what, what do you think success as, a, as an industry um, will look like in, you know, X number of years? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at when I started drinking beer properly, I guess, um, you know, 2012, 2013, um, and you look at it now, like the, the amount that's been achieved in such a short period of time is amazing. The amount that's still to be achieved is, is also amazing. And if, but I don't feel that there's another, I guess, category or industry that's able to, to do it, you know, or, or has the ability to do it so well as beer for, for various different reasons. I think that there's going to be a general recognition that the brewing process is going to become greener. It's going to be almost sort of synonymous. I think you're already seeing lots of people, you know, say that they're carbon neutral, carbon negative, all these types of things. And I think that that will just become a language for, um, for beer, particularly for craft beer. I think in at the larger scale, people like Budweiser, I know Heineken, Carlsberg, they're all pushing on this planet focus, um, whether it be conservation of wildlife, whether it be green electricity to, to power breweries, whatever, whatever it looks like. I think that the investment that will go into that and the creativity of communicating that to consumers will do a really amazing job. What I'd love for beer brands to do is to, to continue the innovation side of things, not just in style, but how they market, how they include people, how you know consumers can get really, really involved. And then what that does to educate consumers on the long term to, to, to almost shape the future of the fixture in the supermarket or, you know, their, their taps in, in their local pub. Um, because there's no, I think there's just so much innovation and in, in creativity within the beer industry that if it focuses itself on, you know, more, more sustainability and more people positivity, then, you know, it has the ability around the world to really change things for the better. So that's kind of whenever I thought about starting Brugger, the reason I thought that it was possible to do Brugger was because I could see the sort of nascent trends in that direction of, of being better companies, of being more community focused, of being more sustainable. And I think that as as we develop as an industry, that should should hopefully become easier to achieve for, for everybody. I think building on that, I think the consumers 
are looking and holding companies to uh, account for the for these kind of you know sustainability practices, this diversity inclusion, you know the, the the education I guess in these spaces on a consumer side of point has increased dramatically over the how many you know last few years, um, you know obviously with with lots of events that have happened uh, to do that, but it, it means that. Consumers expect this from their organizations. And I think your, the work that you guys are doing and, and the broader, you know, kind of group collective that you're working in and operating in, um, you know, are certainly kind of helping to drive that forward as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think consumers aren't like, you know, I, I don't know what the, the sort of behavioral model would have been where you're just basically presenting consumers with nice images and stuff and, and what they'll believe, whatever you tell them. I think that social media, I think that just general education of, of, of consumers means that, you know, they'll call bullshit on you if you're, if you're bullshitting them. And, and no one likes a hypocrite. You know, if you're saying you're doing something and you're not doing it, then that's probably the worst position or you're doing something that's completely against that. It's probably the worst position to be in as a human being and as a brand. So I think like the ability to be transparent, I think is, is definitely key. To, to, to building trust within the industry so that if something happens that, you know, denigrates against um, a particular brand, there's other brands out there that say, actually, no, listen, this is what we've always done. This is what we believe in, blah, 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 blah. So that consumers are aware that, um, you know, at a, at a top level that this is happening, you know, or sorry, I guess just the, what people say and what they do is aligned, you know, in, in breweries across the world, I guess. So talking about more information and, and kind of getting things out there, is there anything else uh, that we should be on the on the lookout for Brugada coming up? Any new product launches? Anything, you know, initiatives that you're, you're really excited by uh, that's coming up? Yeah, there's lots. Um, there will be too many to kind of squeeze into this and to explain. But um, I think if, if people want to follow our Instagram, it's probably the best place to do it. So it's just Brugader um, or at Brugader. Um, if you want to join our mailing list at Brugader.com, you'll be the first to know everything. But what we're, we're, we're going on is, is quite a big journey between now and I think the middle of next year that if people like what they see, and how often they see Brugger, um, they'll they'll be blown away by by the plans that we've got for for twenty two in in various different directions. So, I guess my only advice to be uh, between now and then is to to keep an eye on us and to sit tight and watch this space by the sound of things. So definitely, <laughs> <laughs> definitely be following. So uh, thank you, Alan, again for for jumping on um, and, and telling us all about the work that you guys are up to and, and the broader context. It was a yeah, I, I feel. I'm really looking forward to hearing and, and seeing what happens next uh, with everything Brugada. So thank you very much. My pleasure. Cheers, Joe. So only one le- less thing to do that we didn't cover in that interview, fellas. We need to talk about the beer itself and the taste. Yeah, so I've been trying. Well, actually, to be honest, this is my, my second attempt at, at trying some of the beers. I have actually been through through each of them uh, a couple of times before. Um, I am currently trying the session IPA, which I mean, it really is sessionable. So because it's you know only three point seven percent, but also uh, a lot more characterful than uh, uh, you could probably expect from a, a three point seven. I also shared uh, one of the um, tropical pale ales uh, with um, uh, my dear brother, who described it as like a can of umbongo. <laughs> I think his memory, I think his memories of umbongo might be slightly different. To, to to mine, I, I I would have probably murdered one of these in my lunchbox back back then. But um, I may have a taste of it and remind myself. 
It sounds like he's getting what he's what he's expecting from the. It's a tropical pale, and he's getting a, a very tropical. I mean, I feel think of tropical when I think on bongo. It legit is tropical, right? I'm 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 also drinking the tropical pale ale as well, and I get where your brother's coming from with the umbongo. It may be, it may be not as I'll throw it out, not as strong as an umbongo in flavour wise, because umbongo is literally just fruit juice. Um, but I can get that. I do get the tropical taste, and I do get the tropical vibe that's coming through. I mean, I lo- I'm I'm all for like a you know a nice tropical pale ale. I always think pale ales have a a, a lot of flavour to them, and it feels like from what you're saying that they're really leaning into this quite fruity side of the that pale ales can give you as a, as a as a as a platform. I'm tasting the tropical pale, and I can see palm trees, a soft ocean breeze, and I can hear someone playing the ukulele. Although, although, although my psychiatrist says I need to book in again. <laughs> um, but yeah, so tropical. And, and sorry, yeah, uh, uh, Travis, as you were saying, maybe not as, as sort of strong uh, tropical flavor as the umbongo. I mean, don't, don't think, I suppose I'd say to people, don't think of this as, as that sweet. It's not actually the fruit juice. It, it, it's that, it's, it is quite almost meeting in the middle between a, uh, an umbongo. And, <laughs> Stop laughing at Umbongo. It's meeting half. You are halfway between uh, a, a a beer and and an Umbongo. I I I'm, I'm laughing at yeah. I'm laughing at the comparison we've gone to to a discontinued drink that I haven't drunk in years, and the pale ale that we're sipping now. It ju- it just tickles me. I just sip it in the Congo. That's all I've got to say to you, mate. <laughs> but are you guys are you guys trying the tropical or because um, we've also got the. I believe if you get all all of the um, <laughs> the the can selector, you can have the session IPA and the um, the lager, right? What have you guys got? Yeah, so I've had the I've, I've consumed the the IPA, very tasty. Exactly as you said, uh, quite nice being that three point seven, very hoppy as you're expecting, but not like a full full bodied blow your head off kind of hoppiness. It's it's a very sessionable IPA. Um, I actually their lager for me has really is, is the one that stood out. I, it's a very full-bodied lager, um, so it isn't like a weak, you know, we're expecting to be like a mass, you know, kind of American-style lager. This is, I guess, closer to, um, as we'd say, like the Brooklyn lager in, in that sense. It's not dark. It's definitely an amber lager, but it's it's got a lot of flavor to it. But what struck me so much when I'm looking through the beers for full brew gooder, of course, they've got those three core ones that we've talked about. But they've done a lot of work in collaborations. You know, they've got Northern uh, Northern Monk collaboration. They've got a, a Magic Rock collaboration. They've got a London Fields collaboration. Is their most recent ones. So um, yeah, lots of different, lots of good breweries, lots of good beers there. Because we're drinking beers right now, which are coming in um, the old design. Let's say the design that's very intricate, intricate, uh, lots of different illustrations, and then they've they show on their website and and they've been talking about a new redesign. What do you think of that? I so I've got the old design kinds now. And and I like them. There's there's lots going on, and I really enjoy kind of the, um, the their logo. I think is really really nice. The kind of the the bit more joined up handwriting and kind of the um, the big like Azteki maybe design going across the back. But I'm looking at the new cans now, and I also really like them for their simplicity. I think they're they're bold. They're nice. They're clear. They're kind of showing what it is. Um, I I honestly think I I prefer the new designs to their old design. Interesting, because you'd usually think craft beer, the more intricate, you know, kind of quite wacky, let's say, is, is kind of the norm. Whereas these guys have gone, obviously, this more simplistic. I mean, legibility wise, their new logo, Brugger, have written across the top on a white background, which that must be a lot, lot easier to read, right? 
oh what like 100% with my with my dyslexia and of me as and of me and you have discussed before Joe looking at different fonts and stuff like that the the, the Brugger the new Brugger design I really really like it's clear it's precise and it's it's not hard for me to read what do you think, Barbara? Do you think this is, this new design is making ways for you? So I actually, do you know what? I feel like this is controversial. I like the I like the old style. However, I appreciate. Um, I feel like you know the 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 people at large might not necessarily know about Brugger yet. Um, correct me if I'm, I'm I'm wrong. But so the new design for me, I'd quite like to see. It's more recognisable. I think you're going to be able to spot it a bit easier. So if you stick with that for a little while, they could always bring back the old one. And because um, I really like that, um, I guess it's kind of Malawian style with the um, what they have managed to retain is is the iconography with the the spade and the sort of weaving behind it. But um, it sort of expands from there. And and I I'd maybe like to see that back one day. But um, I suppose it's a little bit easier um, with the design these days to just make it a little bit more recognisable and and. Um, uh, you know, particularly with a uh, a brewery like this that's that's got a really sort of strong positive ethos, um, I think people will get behind that and they'll say, "Well, yeah, no, I'll have a, I'll have a brew gooder," um, and that might just help them sort of become more of a household name, and then they could go to, uh, as you say, slightly more uh, elaborate um, and quirky. I think is 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 maybe the best word for the for the design. Last question for me to you guys now. We'll have talked, I'm sure, with Alan about the um, you know, background. We've heard all about their ethical brewing practices, the B Corp situation. Question to you both that I have. Would you be happy paying more money for Brugger to beer, knowing that a large section of that goes to supp- supply water and charitable causes and needs to those that need it? In short, yes, I, I would. Great. That's it. Thanks very much for coming on the I'll Try That podcast. <laughs> so I was, was going to expand on that a little bit. Uh, helps, when, helps when the beer tastes nice. Do you know what I mean? I, that, that for me is always going to be in there. But uh, yeah, abs, ab, in short, absolutely. And I also as well, like the beer tastes good, but also it's not more expensive to the point where it's eye-wateringly expensive. Yeah. Similar, yeah. you know, a bit, a bit, I mean, I guess the recent example of that is Rich paying way too much money for a, ch- <laughs> a one-off music beer or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, if I could only afford one can a month, that is when I might start to, to, to reconsider. Call, call, me, call me a mean old boring, you know, Scrooge. But um, Sorry, Joe, tell us about the numbers. So numbers wise, uh, Brugger on Instagram have twenty two k followers. Brugger on Twitter have seven and a half k followers. Oh, nice, good yeah. On well, either way, Brugger, keep up the good work. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where they go and what they're going to bring out next. And that's all we have time for in this week's episode of the I'll Try That podcast. And so from me, Joe, Rich, Barber, and Simo, goodbye. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, I'll Try That Podcast dot com and watch us on YouTube. Goodbye now.